In my last assignment where I was pastor at before I came here, Holy Rosary, when I was assigned there, I inherited a parish that had been completely devastated by the flood of 2016. Many people died, people lost their jobs, people lost their homes. And so by the time the bishop sent me there, we were trying to rebuild the community. And so as people began to move back into their trailers or their, their homes, I would offer to bless them. And after I blessed their trailers and their homes, I would ask them what they desired. What do they desire for this particular community? And a lot of the people said the same thing. They all wanted to find a way to give back. Because so many people from all over the nation came down to, to Santa Ma to help this group of people out. They just wanted to help others too. And they didn't want to have to drive all the way to Baton Rouge to go to Mother Teresa's soup kitchen or St. Vincent de Paul homeless shelter. They wish that they could have something right there in our local community. So in the front of our campus, right next to the church, we had an old building that also was destroyed by the flood. And so my team and I, we prayed about it and we discerned that we were going to repurpose this building and make it into a cafe where we were going to have a food pantry, a coffee shop, have a soup kitchen, a diaper bank, a barber shop, a fertility clinic, free counseling and legal advice. And, and as I began to, to preach about this from the pulpit, to share our discernment with the, the community at church, a lot of people in our parish got really excited. Like this was something good. This was something beautiful for our community. But some people weren't so excited. And some people began to kind of uh, vent and murmur and, and talk bad about what was happening. And they were complaining and, and they would say things like, like where are the poor people going to come from? And, and if they come here, when are they going to leave? And, and what if they're dangerous? And, and what if they want to stay? And they would say this louder and louder and louder. And finally, like the main person who was using this as their, 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 their chant, like we don't want the poor here. That person came to the office at the church and began the same old, same old, like, why do they have to come here? Why can't they go somewhere else? So what if they hurt us, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And one of my coworkers who was in the office at the time said, I, I hear you, but can we just pray? Can we please just pray? And this person said, yeah, yeah, like we could pray. I love Jesus. I love to pray. I come to church here. So my coworker pulled out the Bible and open up the gospel, Matthew chapter 25. And this is what my coworker read to this particular person. Jesus will look to those on his left and say, Depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire, prepared for you, for the devils and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. I was naked, and you did not clothe me. I was sick, and I was in prison, and you did not visit me. And they all will answer, but Lord, when did we see you hungry, or thirsty, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not minister to you? And he will answer them, truly I say to you, as you did it not to one of the least of these, you did it not to me. And they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. And so my, my coworker looked at this person and said, 
So the reason why we are establishing this place for the poor is because we don't want you to go to hell. <laughs> and this parishioner who had been coming to church for years, who had been praying for years, who had even been involved in ministry for years, said this, I never heard that passage from scripture. I had no idea. And when this person became aware of what the word of God said, this person had a radical conversion and became obedient to the word of God and became one of our normal ministers in the cafe serving the poor on a weekly basis. All because they came to know something they did not know before. I often wonder, why is it that we disobey the word of God? Why do we do this? I think one of the primary reasons why we disobey the word of God is because many of us don't know the word of God. We had no idea what the word of God said. We were ignorant to what the word of God said, and that's why we were being disobedient in our thoughts, in our words, and in our actions. But what happens whenever we do know what the word of God says and we still struggle with it? Because let's be honest, some of the teachings of Jesus are really hard. They're very difficult. They're not all easy to follow. And one of the teachings I've always struggled with is whenever he says in the Gospels that we are supposed to bless those who curse us. We're supposed to pray for those who persecute us, forgive those who offend us, love those who hate us. Like that's always been like a struggle for me, especially because when I was a child, if you cursed me, you were going to catch these hands. Like, we're going to fight. And so whenever I became a Christian and began to read the word of God and I saw Jesus say, I expect you to bless people who curse you, I'm thinking, what? How am I going to do this? And it's been a struggle, not just in the early days of my Christianity, but even into my ordination. After I was ordained a priest, one of my very dear friends betrayed me. And whenever I experienced this betrayal from someone who I loved, someone who I invested in, someone who I was so good to, I, I was brooding. And brooding is not something that we can do as Christians. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7, St. Paul says that love does not brood, that God is love. Therefore, God does not brood. Jesus is God. Therefore, Jesus does not brood. And you and I are the body of Jesus Christ. Therefore, we cannot brood either. But I was choosing to brood. And I kept thinking over and over and over in my head what I would say or could say or should say if I were to see this friend. And as I was brooding, disobeying the word of God, I experienced no peace at all. Because sin can never satisfy us. We will never be at peace if we are not following the word of God. And as I was brooding, I put my hands in my pocket and I felt my rosary. And my rosary reminded me that I, I needed to pray. So I began to pray the sorrowful mysteries. Particularly, I began to engage in an observation in the life of Christ as he entered into his passion and as he entered into his passion, he too was betrayed by friends who he too invested in. He was abandoned. He was rejected. He was denied. And how did Jesus Christ respond? He blessed those who cursed him and he prayed for those who persecuted him. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Jesus did not wait for the apostles, the disciples, the scribes, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, or the thieves to apologize before he extended his forgiveness to them. 
Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And then the first words that he spoke to the apostles after the resurrection wasn't, I told you so. I told you you were going to abandon me. I told you you were going to deny me and betray me. The first words he spoke to the apostles were, peace be with you. Jesus Christ does not just talk the talk. He walks the walk. That which he invites us to do, he does himself. He fed those who were hungry. He multiplied the fish and the loaves. He visited those who were in prison while he himself was in prison. He welcomed those who were strangers. He was close to those who were sick. So that which he did, he caused us to do. He blessed those who cursed him. He forgave those who offended him. He prayed for those who persecuted him. That which he did, he caused us to do as well. This is difficult, but this is what he demands of us as disciples of Jesus Christ in the 21st century. And so as I began to enter into an observation of Christ, I was able to enter into an imitation of Christ, pray for this friend who persecuted me, and then I was able to go and see this friend face to face. And when I saw this friend face to face, I punched him. And then after I punched him, I said, peace be with you. I kind of got it right. Not all the way, but it's like God's, he's patient. I didn't, I didn't punch Father Andrew, don't worry. Um, I didn't do it. I'm just joking. It wasn't Father Andrew. It was Father Reuben. So, but the word of God is difficult. But the only way that we will be able to be obedient, to enter into an imitation of Christ, is if we take time and enter into a season of profound observation of Christ through prayer. Y'all, today's gospel is difficult. It's a hard gospel to hear. It's a hard teaching to hear. This is not Father Josh making this up or the Catholic Church being a really mean church religion or whatever. This is coming from the mouth of God. Jesus Christ himself says these words to us. In the beginning, it was not so. God made them male and female. They are no longer two but one flesh. What God has joined, no one can separate. When the disciples heard this, they too were like Jesus. Like, this is more extreme than even Moses. This is a difficult teaching, Jesus. We know people who have been married, and then they've been divorced, and then they've been remarried. And our family and our friends, maybe some of us, and we're like, whoa, like, this is hard for us to hear. And what did Jesus say? Oh, y'all, I wasn't, like, being serious. I was joking Think about what today is. It's, it's April Fool's. Gotcha. Like, no, that's not what he said. Jesus Christ then told the disciples, no, whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery. And if she divorces her husband and marries another, she commits adultery. If we get married and it's a sacramental marriage, not just a, a civil marriage, but if it's a sacramental marriage and we get divorced, we cannot marry another until our spouse dies. What God joins together, we cannot separate. We, we can't. This is hard to hear. And so when we hear this, we might be tempted to say, I'm just going to turn the page and read what comes next. We might be tempted to resist it or to reject it or, or to say no. Or we can take it as an invitation of the Holy Spirit to pray more. Not to pray more that the gospel would change, that Jesus would change his mind on his teachings, but for us to change. In order for us to be able to enter into a season of imitation of Christ, we must enter first into an observation of Christ in the Gospels. He would not invite us to do something that he himself would not do. On the cross, he's suffering. 
on the cross. Where is the church? Mary shows up. Mary Magdalene's there. John came back. But where's Peter? Where's James? Where's Thomas? Where's Matthew, the tax collector? Where are they? They weren't there. And what was Jesus Christ's response to that? Was it, you know what? I know I invested three years into y'all, and I was so good to y'all, and I let you walk on water and hear my father's voice and see apparitions of Moses and Elijah, and I gave you all that, and this is how you treat me. So I'll tell you what, I'm going to leave you, and not only leave you, but I'm also going to found a new community of apostles. I'm going to start all over again because this ain't working out with us. So I'm just going to do it again with somebody else, with another group. That's not what he did. He remained there on his on his cross. Jesus Christ is faithful to us in good times and in bad, in sickness and in health, to death. He would not leave us. And we are the body of Jesus Christ. Therefore, we are invited by him to imitate him and also not divorce and then remarry. If we divorce because it's an unhealthy marriage, that's one thing, but then to remarry is what he's saying we cannot do if it was a real marriage. The only way that we can accept this is through prayer. So, what do I want to invite us to do? I want to invite us to lean into those difficult teachings of Jesus, to not reject them, to not avoid them, but to lean into him with them, to see him. How did he respond to these difficult situations in his life because that is how he is inviting us to do so as well. Why are we disobedient sometimes? Number one, because we don't know the word of God. So the first thing is we need to get to know the word of God. Spend time every day reading the sacred scriptures. Before we pick up a spirituality book, before we go on Twitter and read somebody's post, before we read a blog, we need to be reading the word of God. This is infallible. This is inspired. This is inerrant. Those blogs and those tweets and those videos and those podcasts are not. This is. So first and foremost, we must come to know what his word says. And then when we come to those difficult passages, we're invited to pray into them, to observe the Lord Jesus Christ. Because the fruit of our observation of Jesus in the Gospels will always be, without fail, imitation. And if we can persevere in an imitation of Jesus Christ while we are on earth, then our God promises us that we will be able to remain in relationship with Jesus Christ. Not only while we are on earth, but most importantly, forever in the kingdom of heaven. So you're still listening? Well, while you're here, maybe you're thinking about, you know, I really want to support Christ the King. I want to know how I can pray for them. I want to know how I can support them financially. Well, that's easy. You just go on our website, ctklsu.org, and you can support us through your prayer or through your finances that will allow us to continue to reach the students on this campus for Christ. Go Tigers.